You're listening to the Live Church Livonia podcast, a show where you can hear the teachings from our weekend gatherings. You can catch the full service on our Facebook or YouTube and head over to our website if you'd like to give. Here we're real people following a real God and experiencing real life. Welcome to Life Church Livonia. Hey, good morning, Life Church family, or from wherever you're watching, whatever time of day you're watching. We're so glad to be with you. I'm glad to be with you. Uh, we're praying for you, even as you um, hear God's word today. And I trust God's going to meet you in the midst of this. God has something for us. His word is powerful. It's true. And it never comes back void. Today we're talking about fear not. We're in our third week of fear not. And one of the themes that you see in the Christmas story is this theme of fear. And three different occasions, the angels show up. They show up to Joseph and say, fear not. And God is on the move. And they show up uh, to Mary. And Mary, who's got all these reasons to fear. But uh, we learned last week that when we fear God and really have a, a healthy reverence for God, we don't need to fear anything else. And this week we're looking at fear not as the angels show up to the shepherds. And we're talking about, uh, are you afraid of not being good enough? That's the fear we're dealing with today. And many of us feel like we're not good enough, that when we compare ourselves to others, when we look around, we go, I just don't measure up and I don't have what it takes. I remember when I was a kid, I grew up in New York and outside of the, the city of New York in a place called Mamaroneck. I grew up Larchmont Mamaroneck as a kid. And um, there, was a, there was a professional top rated golf course across the country in that community called Winged Foot. And Winged Foot is one of the top 20 courses in the U.S. still today. And um, the PGA Tournament was going to be there. And so friends of mine and I, we went, we said, let's go and let's go see if we can meet Jack Nicholas because he was the only golfer we knew. We wanted to meet him and we wanted to get some golf balls. So we, we uh, went on to the course and, um, and started looking around and there were crowds and, and TV, of course, and all that stuff going on. And suddenly some... Um, groundsmen from the course started started yelling at us and said uh because at first they thought maybe we were caddies like you're not a caddy you're not dressed right and they chased us off the course and uh boy that was disappointing and uh that's a funny story but uh it holds a lot of truth because here's the point why was i kicked off the course i wasn't good enough to get in their club this is a very elite uh golf club a country club I didn't measure up to their standards. I wasn't dressed well enough. I wasn't rich enough. I wasn't powerful enough. I wasn't good enough. And we can laugh at a, at a story like that as a child. But the truth is, many of us feel like that our whole lives, right? Do you ever feel like that? Are you afraid that you're not good enough? Do you ever feel like you're not good enough for people? Do you ever feel like you're, you're not good enough for God? Do you ever feel like you don't measure up? Well, today, again, as I said, we're going to look at another fear not. And this is uh, when the angel shows up to the shepherds. And this is a really popular Christmas text. Many people know this text uh, really well. And, uh, um, and we know it so well, I think sometimes we miss the truths that the text is trying to help us learn and apprehend. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 2. Uh, we'll read at verse, starting at verse 8. And there were shepherds 
living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Fear not. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. And that's where we get the word gospel. That means good news. What's the good news? Good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, why is this good news? And, and what did we need? A, what was the Savior for? Savior from what? It's interesting to think about this, this first birth announcement of the Messiah's birth. And one of the things that would happen in the um, ancient Near East, in the New Testament times, is when there was a major announcement, they would send out a herald to share that announcement. Um, and so we sing, hark the herald. And there would be a herald. And, and if there was a family and they had a birth, then people would be um, hearing about that announcement from a herald. A herald would go around and would celebrate. And if it was a, a firstborn son, that meant the family name continued. Not anything about boys and girls, but it meant the family name continued. And so it was a reason to celebrate. So they'd send out a herald to all the most important people in town. So let's think about this. When you think about that birth announcement, the herald of God saying, my son has been born, celebrate with me. And the angels are proclaiming that. You would think, who do you think that the, God's son would be announced to? I'd think royalty, maybe go to the palace and, and herald it there, or to the religious leaders, maybe to the um, Pharisees or the scribes or the, the religious leaders of that time. But the herald went to a, a shepherds and you're like, well, yeah, of course, because the shepherds are part of the Christmas story. But why? See, we don't think about who this group of people is. The shepherds were the lowest ranking people in that economy. They were, their jobs were embarrassing at that time. Now, shepherding had a long history for a nomadic people, but at this time, shepherds were, or the shepherd would often be the youngest child, youngest son, or a slave because it was such a dirty job and it, it kept you out of the community. Shepherds were often uneducated and it was a career with no hope for advancement. The religious culture viewed them as failures and outcasts because they couldn't keep the rules of the religious structure. So they were often ceremonially unclean. They were not accepted. And no matter how hard they tried, they didn't measure up. And they were taught that they didn't measure up with God. So there was this constant fear that they weren't acceptable to God. So we want to look at here the shepherd's problem. And God's solution. And we're going to look at three reasons why the shepherds felt distant from God. Why were they, what was their fear of not being good enough? The first thing is they felt unworthy. Okay. They felt unworthy. They were outcasts in Israel. They uh, weren't good enough for God and for religion. And the reason for this was because they had to constantly tend the sheep, they were out in the fields. They couldn't come back to the temple. They often um, had to, uh, couldn't follow the Sabbath rules like they were supposed to. So they were constantly viewed as unworthy and not good enough to participate in temple worship. And when you're ceremonially unclean, you can't go to the temple. And they were away from the temple for weeks. A religious person wouldn't touch a shepherd because to touch a shepherd would make them unclean. So you had them all extricated from the society. 
And think about yourself. Do you feel unworthy? We know what we've done and what we haven't done, what we should do and what we, we haven't done. Maybe, maybe you're, you're here today even sitting watching this and, and um, you're like, let's, let's, let's seek God. Let's worship God. And, and, um, uh, or, or again, you know, for, for those driving who are driving to church, you know, and uh, you're angry at your spouse. Or you were just yelling at your kids. Or you're doing something you know is wrong and hurtful. And you're sitting here saying, you know what? I'm not, I'm not a good person. I'm not, I, I, I'm the last, I, I can't even focus on the message. What did he just say? Because you're so busy thinking about the problems you have and maybe some of the ways you've failed as a parent, as a child, as a, as a worker, as an adult, as a follower of Jesus. Maybe you feel unworthy today. They felt inadequate. They were intellectually inadequate. They were uneducated. Many conversations would go over their head. They got the most minimal education. They were never promoted and and given further education to develop themselves. They were inadequate socially. They were the people you did not want to invite to your Christmas party. They were often, uh, again, kept out of uh, any of the community or gatherings where people would be invited to. Uh, viewed in many ways, like we might think of uh, in, in our culture, people view homeless people. Um, and, uh, and yes, the shepherds played an important role, but we wanted them to play their role out there uh, because they smelled. They were often dirty, again, because they were weeks away from any kind of community or culture. They were spiritually, they felt inadequate. Again, they didn't measure up to God. And they couldn't keep the rules in the Sabbath because the sheep needed protection. You couldn't just leave a hundred sheep out there and go take care of your temple duties. Someone had to watch them and that someone had to be you. And maybe you feel inadequate today. So many of us struggle with this, don't we? And especially in our social media culture, maybe you feel like you're not as smart. You're not as popular. You're not as attractive as the people around you. And you don't have as many Twitter followers or Christmas tree Instagram pictures where your family's perfect and look at everybody's hair is perfect and they're beautiful and their house is awesome and all those kinds of things. In fact, Instagram, we know this right now, Facebook did its own research. We know that our teenagers, uh, especially teenage girls, feel uh, less valuable. They feel uh, they they have lower self-worth. They have more thoughts of self-harm because they're constantly comparing themselves to other people and feeling like they don't measure up. And maybe you feel like you don't measure up. And maybe you feel inadequate spiritually. Other people, are they, they know their Bible or they're studying scripture or they're doing good, these good thing, things that you're not doing. And you're just going, God, please help me make it through Christmas with my in-laws. Man, they drive me crazy. I'm just trying not to swear at them. I had someone tell me that. Uh, and, the, and the shepherds felt unloved. Again, you can see how all these things combine. One of the interesting things, at this time, they were known as thieves. Did you, they could not actually serve as a witness in a court of law because they were viewed as liars and being untrustworthy. And the truth is, many of them at this time were, but not all of them. And no parent wanted their daughter to marry a shepherd because it was like signing them up for a life of uh, uh, isolation and, and look, being looked down upon. And maybe you feel unloved this Christmas. Maybe you're, this is a really hard Christmas for you. And the reality is, tragically, a lot of people feel this way. Uh, I, I spoke with someone a couple years back, and, and they were in angst over uh, the fact that uh, their father had left them when they were young. 
and they just could they were just so um, struck by how could your parent leave you? I get it. He maybe he didn't uh, like my mom or things weren't going well, but how could he leave me? And you've had this wound in your heart for years and years of feeling unloved. What did you do so wrong? This is a person said, what did I do so wrong that he wouldn't come back and see me and love me? Maybe your spouse has left you and you're struggling with that feeling unloved and isolated and alone, or you don't like yourself. And, and, you know, the funny thing is we go places on Christmas and we look around and we see people and we, we automatically assume their life is great. I promise you, as you're sitting around in a group of people, people are struggling with burdens you have no idea of. They feel inadequate. They feel unworthy. They feel unloved. And they need that sense of affirmation and encouragement. Here's the bottom line. The shepherd's problem was religion. The shepherd's problem was religion. Religion didn't work for the shepherds and it doesn't work for us. And you're like, wait a minute, you're a pastor. What are you talking about? You're in the religion business. No, no, no. That's the mistake that we make. You see, uh, religion, and this is where the Pharisees and some of the religious leaders got all messed up. They thought religion was about, religion is about rules. As soon as you're doing religion, you're doing rules and you're either measuring up and feeling great or, and proud and looking down on others, or you're not keeping the rules and you feel unworthy and a loser. And so the Pharisees would focus on how they were doing all the right things on the outside. And Jesus said, but you're not looking at your heart. You look okay on the outside, but inside it's filthy and you're not seeing your real need. And when you think you're better than people because you keep rules and they don't, it makes me sick, says Jesus. Because Jesus didn't come to bring a religion. God didn't send his son to bring a religion. He brought his son to give us a relationship. That's why he sent his son. And if you feel inadequate today and unworthy and stuck then I want you to know there's hope. There's good news for you uh, because Jesus came to this earth to bring hope to us, not to bring religion, but to bring a relationship. The shepherd's problem was religion. God's solution is a relationship. And so he said, behold, there's good news for all the people, all the people, not just some of the people, not just the people who keep rules or don't keep rules. God sent his son to us and so here's the question I want you to think about, because you're probably thinking already, what is this good news and how does this apply to me today? And we're going to look at three quick points from a scripture that is so succinct and packed with truth. It's going to explain to us about how this applies to us today and how the good news is meant for our lives and to bring us hope today. And we're going to look at one of the clearest verses in the Bible. It was written by a man called the Apostle Paul. And if you've heard of him, the thing you probably know about him is he, he was famous. He, he did a lot of great things for God. What you probably don't know about him is he was a killer. And he was actually an enemy of the church. He was the enemy of Jesus' followers. And he was hunting them and killing them. But when he got intercepted by the love of God, it changed the whole trajectory of his life. And he realized what he'd been doing had been so wrong. But as he was transformed, he became one of the uh, great representatives of, of um, Christ in our world, knowing that he had failed, knowing that he was unworthy, knowing that he was inadequate, and knowing that he was much loved. So here's the good news that I want you to hear from Romans chapter 3. This is what 
Paul wrote, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who they are. Three really quick points that apply to our life today. And the first point is this, you cannot earn God's acceptance by following the law. The Pharisees had taken some of the commands of God and the commands of God were given to show us how to live a flourishing life, not so that we could keep them and be right with God. They weren't some kind of ladder to earn our way to God's acceptance. He said, this is how you should live if you're going to flourish as my people. Righteousness came always by faith. But the Pharisees tried to follow 613 laws that they made up and the shepherds couldn't do all that. So to them... Religion was bad news. But the good, the good news is the law was never, they couldn't, um, the law was only there to help them uh, understand certain things about God. And, and these laws the Pharisees made up were extra. They weren't part of God's plan. They weren't p- part of what God intended. So you and I, we cannot earn God's acceptance by following the law. Again, let me read it again. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. So then what? What was the law for? What's the purpose of law? And that's number two. The purpose of the law was to show you and I our need for a savior. So God gave us his law. He gave us these commands, the core commands, not the 613 the Pharisees made up, to show us our need for a savior. Let me read this again in verse 20. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Look at this next section. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Now, we live in a world that doesn't actually acknowledge this anymore. They lived in a world where they thought they were, they understood they weren't good enough and doing the wrong thing. They understood they were sinful. I think we don't, we actually have to come back to understanding our own need and our own brokenness. So we, you know, 10 commandments, we can just start with the 10 commandments. Have you ever told a lie? Raise your hand if you ever told a lie. Raise your hand if you ever told more than one lie. Raise a hand and tell the truth if you ever told more lies than you can actually count right now. The truth is, yes. And what do you, so you've lied. I've lied. Have you ever stolen anything? Have you ever taken anything that didn't belong to you? Raise your hand if you've ever done that. Have you ever taken anything that didn't belong to you? Yeah, no, no. Mark, I'm talking to you. Raise your hand. Come on, buddy. We're in this together. Okay. Now, I don't want you to be looking, don't raise your hand for this one, but I want you, have you ever looked lustfully at someone of the opposite sex? Have you ever looked lustfully at someone and you desired them and, you're, uh, and you knew what lust is? It's different than love. And um, have you ever looked at someone lustfully? Don't raise your hand, but you know, you can just blink your eye. Okay, I saw that. Okay, blink your eye. So what is this? When we lie, if, if someone lies, what, what do we call them? You're uh, a liar. And if someone steals, what do we call them? You're a a thief. And if someone looks lustfully at another person, the scripture Jesus tells us that's that's a form of adultery. That's a form of sexual immorality. So I'm sexually immoral in some level. I'm I'm adulterer. And uh, so welcome to Life Church. There's the good news. (laughs) Uh, The truth is we all fall short and we've all lied. And and we need to see this about ourselves because we live in a world where we don't actually own the things that we have 
where we do fall short, and then we feel bad about, about a bunch of other things that are all comparative. The truth is this, until you see that you have sinned and you're a sinner and fallen short of what God has for you, you don't see a need for a savior. Saved from what? And God wants to save you and I from a whole bunch of things, starting with our sin that, that goes after our soul and it's like acid on our soul and it just diminishes and degrades us and we, we can never become the people we were intended to be while we're living in sin. Here's the deal. You don't need religious, religion. You and I, we need Christ. And here's the third point. Being made right with God comes by faith in Christ alone. Not Christ plus religion or Christ, Christ plus status or Christ plus whatever the thing is you think you need to be good with God. Christ alone. And so the angel says, fear not. I bring you good news. To who? To all the people. To all the people? To the unworthy people? Yes. To the inadequate people? Yes. To the unloved people? Yes. Because a Savior has been born to you. You can't save yourself. The good news is God has given you a Savior who can save you because Christianity isn't about religion. It's about a relationship with a person who loves you, who created you, who cares for you, who has a vision for your life, who made you to be so much more, and, and who you have to receive by faith. And this is really, really important. So the, the shepherd's problem was religion, but God's solution was a relationship. That's why he sent a person and not a program. He sent his son. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this story before, but to me, it's, it's a really powerful story. And um, a soldier in the Civil War went to uh, the White House, Washington, D.C., to go see President Lincoln. In, on the same day, and if you've ever seen the movie uh, Saving Private Ryan, this to me is the first version of that movie. Uh, on the same day, this, this, this man's father was shot and killed and his brother was shot and killed. His mother had communicated to him that she was having a really hard time running the farm and he was going to ask for an exemption if he could help his mother and his sister run the farm because all the, all the other uh, people in the family had been killed in the war. He went to the White House and the guard said, there's no way, you can't come in here. Don't you know there's a war going on? You don't, you're not a, what are you, a, you're a private. You're not, you don't have the right rank. You don't have the right access. You don't have the right privilege. No, you cannot see the president. The soldier went dejected to a park and sat down on a bench to contemplate what to do. And this young boy walked up to him and said, why do you look so sad, soldier? And the soldier, with, without thinking, kind of poured out his heart to this kid. This kid said, hey, come with me. And he grabbed the soldier's hand and he said, here, grab my hand. And he, and he walked to the White House and the soldier couldn't believe it. He goes, you know, we're not going to be able to get in there. He goes, just come with me. And he walks past the guard. The guard doesn't even open his mouth. And then he gets to the reception area, the president, and, and, and the receptionist looks and smiles. And he walks right past the receptionist and goes in. And he see, and President Lincoln is, is sitting at his desk and he says, hi, Todd. Introduce me to your new friend. And this soldier went and pled his case with the president and got the exemption he needed to help his mother. Why? Was he, he didn't have the right rank. He didn't have the right privilege. He didn't have the right access. He didn't have any of those things. But the guard saw the son and attributed that son's benefits to the soldier. And the receptionist saw the son and attributed the son's benefits to that soldier. And the father saw the son 
And he attributed his righteousness and his standing to that soldier and gave him access. Are you and I good enough for God on our own? No, no. But because of what Jesus has done, Jesus came and when we place our faith in him, we place our hand in his, we become right with God. How? Because Jesus lived the life we should have lived. He lived a perfect life because only someone who lived a perfect life can die for the sins of someone else. And then he died the death we should have died. He paid the price for our sins because of his love for us so that we could be made right with God. And he gives us his righteousness, his access, and, and he takes on our sin. And we're made right with God. And that is the good news of Christmas. And that is the gift because at that moment, we begin a new life, a transformed life, so that we can live into all that God has for us. See, this is the truth. This is why religion didn't work for the shepherds, but a relationship did. Because religion is all about what I do. My rules, I keep the rules of what, relationship is what Jesus has done. A religion is about me. And it's all about me. And it becomes actually a form of narcissism, self-absorption. Relationship is about Jesus and his love and his goodness and his care for us. Religion is spelled D-O, do. I have to do and do and do and do just to break even. Relationship is spelled D-O-N-E, done. Jesus has done the work on your behalf and mine. And all we have to do is receive it. Religion says, I have to work hard, and if I work hard, I might please God. And relationship says this, and this is really, really, really important, because people go, don't we do good things? Don't we, isn't there fruit in our life? Absolutely. But relationship says, because I'm already accepted in Christ, because I've been transformed from the inside out, I want to work hard. I want to do the things God wants me to do, not in order to make him happy or to earn his favor, but because he loves me and I want to live, I want to follow his example, and I want to bring his goodness to this earth just like he brought it to me. This is the game changer, if we will understand this. When you realize this, that the shepherds felt just like we do, unworthy and inadequate and sometimes even unloved. But fear not, for today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And you should have great joy. Because this good news is for you and for me. So I want to invite you right now. Have you said yes to trusting Christ? Have you put your hand in his hand and allowed him to bring you all the way into the inner room with the Father? To be reconciled to God, to be accepted by God, to experience the love of God and the transformation of God. This is the good news. Will you pray with me? Today, you may feel like you're unworthy and inadequate and unloved. And you're here today and you're just like, I'm so, I feel so empty. And I, I want you to hear this promise from scripture. Cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. And you've got burdens today, maybe your financial burdens. And I, you, I want to encourage you just to lay those at the feet of Jesus and ask him to, Lord, we just pray that you would meet us in our financial need. And maybe you feel unloved today and you're experiencing loneliness because you're separated from people you wish you could be with. And Lord, I just pray that you would minister your love and compassion uh, to those who are feeling unloved today. And maybe you feel like you're inadequate. And the truth is this. 
Jesus makes you adequate. Jesus makes you more than adequate. Jesus is, gives you his life and his gifts and his love, and he wants you to experience flourishing as you follow him. And so, Lord Jesus, we bring our burdens before you. We ask you, Lord, to meet us in this place knowing that you are powerful and you are good and that you hear our prayers. And Lord, do you move in answer to our prayers and you're moving even now in ways we can't even see to uh, bring your uh, support and strength and answers to our needs. And you may be here today and you're saying, I've never trusted Jesus. I've never put my faith in Christ. I've never been made right with God. Or you're here today and you're like, you know what, I was following Jesus and I've gotten so far away, I don't know where to begin. You can begin again. Will you begin again right now? We can just come before the throne of God and start fresh and be right with God today. And I want to invite you to do that right now. Lord Jesus, I'm trusting in you. I feel like those shepherds. I do feel unworthy and inadequate. I feel unloved. And Lord, uh, I, I never understood what the good news was, but I understand now that I can't earn your um, acceptance or approval. And Lord, even as I know that I've done the wrong thing, your word and, and your truth show me that there's a path of righteousness and I haven't walked in it. I have lied. I have stolen. I've done the wrong thing and I could list those things out. And I've been comparing myself to other people and thinking I'm pretty good. But when I look to your perfect standard, I realize I fall short and I'm admitting that right now. And I'm asking you, Lord, to make me right with God because I'm putting my faith in you, Jesus. And Father, thank you that you love me and that I can be reconciled to you and I receive that gift now. Help me, Lord, to follow you and obey you and to walk with you and, and Lord, to do the good work you have for me to do, not so that I can earn your approval, but Lord, because I'm so grateful for your good news, your gospel and your salvation. Make me new. And Lord, I pray that I would be a conduit of your good news Help me not to live in fear anymore, the fear of not being good enough, because, Lord, you make me, uh, Lord, you make me your masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which you prepared in advance for me to do. Help me to live as that masterpiece you made me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And hey, if you prayed with me just now, I want to encourage you, would you message us and let us know so we can help you take your next steps? I pray God would be with you this Christmas season, that you'd experience his presence. And I, I want to encourage you to join us in person or online as you're able. We're going to follow this message up with a, a, a really uh, deep and yet fun message on Christmas Eve that helps us understand about some of the benefits God wants us to experience as we uh, put our faith in him. See you then. God bless.